Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This week's episode of the Bass Guitar Nerds podcast is sponsored by Ashdown Engineering a British bass amplification powerhouse whose gear is seen on the biggest stages in the world backing up the biggest bands in the world. But now Ashdown have expanded their expertise into bass guitars. Having teamed up with master luthier Dan Lackin previously of Lackland Basses, Ashdown are now offering five different models of US-designed basses, from classically inspired shapes to completely new designs fusing vintage sensibilities with all the modern applications a bassist needs. Available in an ever-expanding range of finishes and all for under a thousand pounds. These instruments are extremely exciting. Check them out at ashdownmusic.com or follow links in the description of this podcast. Welcome to the Bass Guitar Nerds podcast, a podcast by Guitar Nerds. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by JD Short. Greetings and salutations. And Naomi McLeod. Hello. Yes, that's right. We're back with another bi-weekly bass episode. We just finished the, the last the last couple of weeks. We were counting down our, our favourite um, our favorite basses in various fields, favourite favorite basses of that are currently available favorite fretlesses favorite five strings things like that that was good and i i noted that our our finishing choices were all um quite ridiculous and i think it ended up being like who can think of the weirdest thing to claim that is the best thing on the market um but it was good it was good um i've also this i tell you what doing this because we're on what episode six now of the basic yes, kind of podcast six this evening this is having a really negative effect on me because doing the <coughs> doing the guitar nerds podcast is fine because everything's like all you know everyone's traditionally minded. I like traditional stuff. That's fine. Valve amps, you know, old Gibsons, things like that. That's the discussion point. That's the standard, and that's what I've been hemorrhaging money on since doing the guitar nerds podcast. And since we've been doing this, I've started being like, maybe I need to buy some EMGs and retrofit them into my jazz bass. So I've done that. And and then I'm I'm starting to be like maybe active is okay, and I'm just I'm starting to get you know, I'm starting to get into you know like things like the Spectres and modern stuff, the NS designs that we were talking about. It's definitely making me become like I even had a conversation with a luthier this week about commissioning a custom built version of the Warwick Buzzard, 
That's, wow, <laughs> that Joe. is quite true. So I'm definitely something's happening here. This is this is cause this is having an, an impact into my sort of uh, reserved classicness of my taste. I give it two or three more episodes and you're going to be telling us about your new six string. <laughs> yeah. I'm calling it now. Yes, yeah, so potentially, potentially. I have always wanted a bass five. I think that's still... Yeah, you know. I get that for sure. Have you, ever, have you ever played one? I haven't. I haven't even seen one. Um, mm. IRL, unfortunately. So yeah. um, no, but I've, I've been super intrigued and um, to be honest, intrigued even as to what the main draw was for them at the time yeah i mean it's such an interesting idea they Mm. were so like made for three years i think between 63 and 66 and the Mm bass five was a a 15 fret um five string bass guitar with a high c um and it was so unpopular that yeah fender discontinued it discontinued it very shortly which means there are very few of them and very few of them especially make it over to the uk so they're hard to come across and they seem to just be getting more and more expensive. A few years ago, I saw one at something like the Birmingham Guitar Show, and it was like two and a half grand. And I was, and that is cheap for one of these. And it wasn't in wow. great condition, which I love. It was super used. Someone mm. had loved it. Um, but I think at the time, I just purchased the. I think I mentioned it on the last podcast. The short scale hollow body Gibson Memphis Les Paul Gold Top. Yes, you had mentioned. Which was really, I just bought that which was a chunk of money and i was like i have nothing i cannot purchase this (laughs) but um yeah they're very cool very cool i remember the advertising campaign for those it had like a a guy um sat on a tractor and he had his base five in the sort of footrest next to him on the tractor and the tagline was you won't part with yours either which i thought was nice so it it didn't quite make the um the surf aesthetic that um so many of the other Fenders no. of the time did they obviously no. were going for the more F- farmers yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the farmer demographic what do you know, bass when, players do yeah. when i when i think of farmers i'm always like five string basses high c <laughs> <You know>, like, <laughs> exactly exactly it's a weird thing to not take off though isn't it like a, a high c don't you think that's a, a, a better idea than a four string sort of being able to move across the board rather than up the board like doesn't that make sense well i mean i i mean from from like an upright perspective like for upright players it's much more common to move up and down so to like stay on the same string and just move through Mm. positions so i think i think probably around that time still like electric bass is still electric bass guitar is still newish you know like the the less than a decade old yeah yeah so it's not quite yeah so it's probably still thinking about the the moving up and down still probably just playing on like the a e string you know or like staying on a on like a string so it's probably still more vertical than like i would i'm guessing than than sort of today where everyone you know where sweep picking is a thing that everyone knows about and you know most people can do (laughs) if they you know or will be able to do now so for the next time they go to a guitar shop so yeah yeah yes yeah exactly um but yeah, it's a real shame. I was a big fan, big fan of the high C. It's something I'd I'd love to make work. Did did you guys see? Do you remember uh, Ibanez reissued one in their BTB series, like maybe five years ago? I think it was called the BTB three three three. Oh, let's have a look. I think it was like a. I, I think it was a thirty three inch scale five string with a high C, and it even came with a uh, what do you call it? A ramp. 
in between the two. Oh, um, I can't remember. I think it was, was it Bartolini's or was it just sort of their own proprietary pickups? I can't remember. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was great. I was kind of, I've always secretly loved the BTB shape, but I could never work out if it was because I hate the SR shape. The SR mm. just looks like too much like a sucked sweet. Yeah. And the BTB just had some character. I used I used to have an SR that I really enjoyed, like one of the the upper end, like the eight eight hundred or you know twelve hundreds or whatever, oh. one of those. I but it was like it was it was really good, but I, I definitely get the the suck sweet shape of yeah, or or it just looks like well I was holding it and it got really warm and melty. <laughs> um, I did I did buy one once uh, an SR. I think it was a twelve hundred. They were like. Babinga, like the yeah, neck was yeah. like eight piece, and it was like an Avancol top, I think, and it had gold hardware, like monorail mm. bridge, and I think it was Nordstrand pickups. I think that's why I bought it actually. Yeah. It was because I think for you, JD, I think Nordstrand had probably occurred in the States quite a yeah. lot, and over oh, here yeah, yeah. it was just non-existent. And then this Ibanez came out with a pair of Nordstrand soap bars, and you plugged it in, and you were like, oh my god, these are the most articulate pickups I've ever heard. And so I, you know, bought it off of the back of that. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, I mean, I've, I've said it here too, but like Nord, Nordstrand's, I've never, I've never been displeased by putting Nordstrand's in, even yeah. on bases I've put many different pickups in. It's always been like, and that's it, you know? So like, I, yeah, they're great. And like, yeah, in Southern California is like where Carrie's shop is. It was, um, yeah, I think they're, they're definitely much more in the U.S. And Ibanez was really one of the big ones that made them kind of well known i think or, or or just made them accessible like in a way that yeah. you could get them in a in a stock instrument yeah yeah absolutely because before then yeah i think the only time i'd seen them was i've, I've mentioned this rig rundown before but juan Aldrett's rig rundown mm. from the nocturnica tour um with the mars volta and he has a he he brings out a jazz bass where he's had i think a, a no it's a p bass where he's had an extra nordstrand soap bar fit into the bridge of the p bass um, and nice. that was like that was the first time I'd ever even heard the name Nordstrand, and of course it was coming from Juan Aldrich, so mm. you know it seemed like a, a sensible thing to get on board with. But yeah, they are very, very good. Naomi, in our before we go into our main topic, you've uh, you you popped in our our notes uh, a, a very interesting instrument that's come to your attention. Yeah, I did indeed. So. Um... In my in my weekly perusings ahead of ahead of our um our next episode, I spotted that um Eastwood have reissued a reissue um or reissued a tribute rather to the um to the Echo Rokes Echo Rocks uh base um the arrow shaped um yeah that super distinctive arrow shaped body um they're calling it the Rocket Base. Um, but yeah, uh, hark back to the sixties design, um, brought out by the band, the Rokes. And I believe as well, it was the, uh, very first time that a signature guitar, a signature body shape was actually built for a band. Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh. I've, oh, this is the first signature body. Shape. Well, I mean, I guess technically Les Paul is the first signature body shape, but of course, yeah, but still that, that, yeah, for a but, base, maybe this, this well is. Exactly. <laughs> and and perhaps outside of the sort of kind of mass market um, 
or yeah the kind of mass production that we ended up with with the yeah. with the Les Paul body shape so yeah super cool it's um 30.5 inch scale length it's got a chambered mahogany yeah tone chambered mahogany body <laughs> I love it already. It's, like you it's so have... ridiculous looking. I mean, it it's... is rocket shaped. It it almost looks like one of those like one of those hilarious photos where someone's like photoshopped the base the other way around. So like the headstocks, the body, and the body's the headstock. Like one of those huge those. I'm sure you were all yeah. in base groups yeah. everywhere, but yeah, it sort of, of feels like like the the body shape should be the headstock, and then the headstock is just. <laughs> Well, the headstock. No, the it's headstock pretty just, wild. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's got a, a an outward, a concave, convex, pointing headstock. That We're, headstock is incredibly pointy. It goes to yeah, a, that's fine dangerous. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna bust through some gig bags for sure. Um, <laughs> I, it's. I'm just super intrigued overall. I like that this was a shape. I'm not. I mean, I'm not surprised that it was a pretty far out shape back in the 60s. But I love that they've reissued this uh, not once but twice. They uh, brought it out, I believe, in 2006. Um, Eastwood, rather, and um, and now we're bringing it back for a run. Um, wow. Expected to Dude. ship early next year. It's like you know what it's a bit like. Do you guys know the app Facetune that people have used to? <laughs> conduct all manner of um, yeah, autonomous <laughs> photographic plastic <laughs> surgery. It's like a flying V-shape face-tuned itself. Yeah. <laughs> like It was like, oh, not so pointy here, but... I, yeah. I wonder, like, like the, this, the exactly the flying V is what I'm, I kept thinking of. So, like, where the, the bridge sort of meets the very end of the body, that mm. scoop, like the flying V, like, do we think that's for your arm to go around? Like, the, like those flying Vs, you know, like where you're supposed oh, to be like, oh, you, you put the, you put your arm the through way, the V. Yeah. That is the way you play them. That, uh, the guy from the Kinks played, yeah. it, played it like that. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if this is supposed to be the same, but it also, like, the, I, I'm not at all bagging on this because I, I, the more I talk about this, the more I really like it. Uh, but it, <laughs> it, it feels like it's very, like, a late, well, maybe early seventies, like sci-fi, where it's like you're in a space band, but it you're still making a guitar from like this sixties style. Like someone, someone in a prop shop was like, "We need a spacey looking bass." And it's like, I don't know, cut weird shapes out of this already existing <laughs> bass. And it does then, look home done. Yeah, it's I like mean, someone went weirder. Yeah. No, 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 weirder. But that's kind of that's what Eastwood do. I mean, I know Eastwood as a brand, they 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 do reissues that other brands have done before and and often on a sort of crowdfunder basis which is really cool but they've mm-hmm. um i mean you know if you guys go to eastwoodguitars.com forward slash collections forward slash bass then you can have a flick through their incredible range of instruments and they really are incredible i mean they're one of they're probably the only company that you can get an eb1 reissue yeah. the old the original gibson bass now unfortunately they've done something that i disagree with they've actually made it hollow now the eb1 by gibson was their violin bass but for gibson it was a solid body and they just had painted on f-holes it is actually a hollow body in the case of the east wood um but it does come with the like the uh the kick uh stand so you can play it like a double bass uh it atta- the kick, the, it's like a pole that attaches to the lower strap button and then you can stand it up and play it like a double bass which is very cool that is very cool yeah i mean mm. they've a they've a pretty diverse i mean they've a 
they have their magnum base coming soon, which is like the um, what's the magnum base? It's like that ovation base. Oh, the um, what is the super yes, famous? Uh, the uh, the uh, breadwinner, breadwinner. I almost said wife beater, but no, breadwinner. That's <laughs> it. This is completely different. Yeah, the the that that was cool. That ovation base was great, and it's really this is the great thing about Eastwood. They're always really good prices because those um yeah uh, the the uh, ovations uh, always go for like a couple of grand. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is. Very very cool. They also do the they're they're starting on. They've got a couple of six string uh, sort of bass six style things. They're doing the Eastwood hooky bass, which is the maddest thing that Shergold guitars haven't done since Shergold guitars have come back. Shergold guitars probably most famous instrument is Peter Hook's six string bass six, mm-hmm. and even though Shergold exists, there is no bass six in the Shergold lineup, which is crazy. Oh, a shame. But um, that's cool that they're doing one of those. They yeah. also do their own, another base six version as well, their TB64, which looks fantastic. Um, I often think about purchasing. Yeah, they do a sweet, like, apple green finish in that mm. one as well, which is a very tasty, very tasty lineup um, across many, many body shapes, which I like to see in a brand that does things. Yeah. as well as east would do so yeah that was mm. that was my uh weird and wacky corner for for this week yeah yeah that is uh, <laughs> that is exactly <laughs> what what that is man I, this is this has made me get excited about eastwood bases again oh. yeah me too i also uh i feel like we should trademark the um Naomi's weird and wacky corner. Should I we? Should I make I'll a jingle it. for it? Yeah. I'll, I'll make <laughs> a jingle for it. There we go. That's done. That's <laughs> uh, I nice, I can hold my nice. breath really long. I should. Yeah, there that. you go. That's. <laughs> oh, hold on. <laughs> this that, is my just, comedy goal. I'm just sampling all of this. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm a hundred percent. I'm making a jingle, and we're gonna do we're gonna do Naomi's weird and wacky corner every week. Awesome. Well, every other week, and it's gonna be um, it's gonna be an Irish trad jingle, isn't it, Joe? <gasps> oh, can I do that? Oh, that's not. Yeah, I'm doing. Okay, permit. there we go. This is fine. I'll permit I'm, it. I've I'm yeah. now on the record having permitted it. So any any shame brought upon my nation is uh, on me. Wonderful. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Um, now there is there's a ton of things uh, to get through this week. I do briefly want to mention, even though I did talk about it on the Guitar Nerds podcast because I just got carried away and excited. But did you guys see Billy Sheehan's thirtieth anniversary Yamaha Attitude? Their wife. Their wife. The, the wife. Well, it's. Yeah, the Yamaha's version of the wife. Yeah. Um, Super handsome looking bass. It's really beautiful. good. I've mm. always, that's always been my problem with the attitude is that it's just a bit too, I didn't, never liked the sort of how modern it looked, even though features wise it's really cool and classic. And obviously the attitude is very similar to, you know, the wife, which was Billy Sheehan's original p bass that he you know retrofitted a gibson ebo pickup into and had them rooted to different outputs mm-hmm. um you know and he'd filed down those those little scallops in his fretboard all himself the the attitude is very close to that but not in the way it looks it looks very modern um yeah. I, i've never really got too much time to play an attitude like it's we had a couple sort of come and go at gak because they were they were about two grand and you had to i think yamaha more or less made them to order 
so they're rarely turned up. They had huge necks on them. Um, but uh, I know a, a friend of yours and mine, Naomi Joe Thorpe, plays mm-hmm. a, an attitude uh, these days. He I does indeed. Is he is he playing it as his lead main bass now? Do you know? I he's a man of many bases, but I mm. I do think the attitude has has come out front. Um, he's got the standard, and then he's got the um, limited limited two. I think. Um, he's he's, oh, he's got, got two. two. He has indeed got two. <laughs> when one attitude isn't enough, you know you've got to you've got to um, got to spread the love. Ridiculous. So um, I was a huge fan of the standard, actually the um, the the very budget model. Oh really? Um, yeah, it plays yeah. stunningly. I mean, so does that, that just have a P bass pickup? E does it have? I'm gonna have to go in and look now because I have played both, but. Um, you know, it's no surprise to me with um, with Yamaha that the that the build quality was as it is, even in their mm. even in their um, cheaper instruments. Like I've always been a a great advocate of the of the um, budget BBs um, yeah, oh, yeah, in in my days working in stores and stuff. But um, yeah, just like super fast, awesome player, big neck, big chunky neck on both of them. Yeah, very um, which wouldn't be for everyone. But no, just in terms sure. of the, the, I don't know, the kind of, I suppose, alternative functionality of the, um, of the dual output, I, I was pretty sold on that even when I first heard of it. It's, um, yeah. What, what do you think? Have you owned an attitude? Have you played many or? Uh, hardly played any. The, the, to be honest, the dual output for me was the turnoff because I was like, I mean, have you ever, you know, tried to present a sound guy with a double bass rig? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they'd just be like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? Why are you doing yeah. this? Like, it's mm-hmm. just, it's the sort of thing that's like, this bass is fantastic. If you have an infinite amount of money, roadies, and you're only playing stadiums, if you are not conforming to all these three things, it may be a bit overkill, um, but the, it certainly did. It does look and sound very good. I'm a massive Billy Sheehan fan. Like he really got me into actually trying to play properly, sort of thing. Was, I was like, oh, a bass player who's not sort of being funky, but is good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's yeah, so he's, absolutely, and and he does bring something totally different to the table. Yeah, and he's mod crazy. Like yeah. you know, he's he's <laughs> yeah. such an advocate of changing and changing and changing and updating and tweaking until something is exactly the tool he needs to play what he wants to play and i really admire that in him yeah um i think i think he's a must see for anyone who's um just opening their eyes to the world of the wonderful world of mods Mm, for sure do you know he he was i think the first artist to have his base um i can't remember what they called it a uh, it it was uh, it was their it was Yamaha's artificial aging process for for oh. woods. So they used to do it for their top end pianos, their grand yeah. pianos, and it was like it's basically a chamber that the wood goes into, and it has a load of heat and different conditions applied to it, which artificially makes the sap um, crystallize in the same way that it does in old wood. Um, wow! And so it's this is a treatment that they'd only ever done on you know ridiculously expensive pianos in order to replicate old pianos. Yeah. But for for Billy Sheehan's Yamaha Attitude, they they started doing that. They started artificially aging the bodies to make them even closer to the you know his original sixties P bass, which I thought was super cool. I'm looking at it here. So Tara Faction, 
is what they ah, were doing. Maybe, yeah, yeah oh. thermo curing, which speeds yeah. up the natural process of aging the top wood. Actually, with the new model, um, is the neck on it roasted maple? Yeah, I believe so. Because yeah. they've well, it's certainly vintage tinted. If not, yes, if if not. If not that, I think it might be a vintage tint, but because it's satin, because it's a satin finish, it might look roasted. I'm not sure. Sure. Very cool. I kind of I saw mm. that, and I was because it's sunburst torque guard. It's you know chrome a chrome neck pickup instead of the you know sort of the black one, the willpower. I think that one's called. And it was just it looked so fantastic. I was like, oh, here's an attitude I might buy. But of course, it's there were thirty of them, and I think I can't remember yeah. what they were. How much were they? Like okay. thirty grand each, something like that. They have to, Whoa! I didn't, I didn't realize it was that high. It might not be that. And they're much. like seven. Oh, is it seven thousand right. US? Yeah. Yeah, that's. Still, I mean, still, yeah. 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 But I mean, but but it it really speaks to the the whole like we were talking about with the mods, where it feels like what I want. The whole idea behind like a Fender style bass to me is the is the utilitarianness of it, and that you shouldn't be afraid to just be like to root out a pickup cover or to do something bonkers under you know like with with uh like having multiple outputs or everything like that's because they're they're all sort of like planks of wood much for muchness in a in a sense i know i say that and we will discuss the grain density on ash (laughs) for an hour and a half but 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 you know at the end of the day it's like yeah but but do all this stuff like there's freedom in doing all this stuff and the fact that it just looks like a sunburst like P base with, uh, you know, like all kinds of crazy stuff done to it just feels, it feels super cool and feels like something, again, it's something that I would like to aspire to do to a base, but I don't have time. And if like, let's say I also have seven grand to drop on a base like this, but like, (laughs) let's say I did and I'd be like, oh, well, that's, that's fine. But, you know, hopefully it's, if someone sees that this is, this is what something can can do and it's actually desirable right then it's like well maybe maybe i do that to to my base like maybe i pick up a you know uh an excellent mid-range or cheaper fender fender style base and then be like well i have this extra pickup lying around from swapping out you know like other pickups here and there or i got it you know for a, a song somewhere and yeah i really like the idea of multiple outputs if nothing else just like just for recording Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you take For out, se- yeah. you take separate outputs, right? You could take both pickups, pan them hard left, hard right, and then just see what you're doing. So in essence, you're double tracking kind of without really doing, you know, it's super flexible like that. Like yeah. I, think, totally. I think there's so many actually reasonable things to do besides just, you know, playing a stadium with, you know, like with a bi-amp system. Yeah, I guess yeah, so. I guess it, you're absolutely right. It, it is just an an extra level of flexibility and being able to send the pickups and treat the pickups individually because yeah. they're, you know, I think especially in a bass um, over a guitar, those pickups are, have a have a very different impact on sort of the overall EQ of, you know, the, the overall hi-fi of what a track is sounding like, you know. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. Just, just imagine taking that neck pickup and shoving like massive amounts of fuzz on it, right? And being able to use your regular P pickup as just like a regular clean P sound. For clarity. But then, yeah. but then being able to like just dial in any amount of fuzz at any point, yeah. you know, based on you know, like even with a, a passive, you know, like volume pedal, right? You yeah. could, you could. Oh, 
I guess oh, you're right. There are you're tons right. We of should, options. We should this. get one of these. <laughs> yeah. Rick, does it, yeah. Rick and Becker do that as well? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. the old Ricco sound. Yeah, yeah. That that was you know for separate. Everything went into two separate things. Do you, do you know if the attitude is the same setup as in because the 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 Rico sound you could plug two things in, but one of the inputs if you didn't plug something into the separate input it would take both pickups. Yeah, I. I don't know on the attitude actually. I think so. I mean, I, I it feels like that's just it's got to be because that's a much to make it a, a workable base in most situations. You would want to be able to just be able to blend the pickups. I would think, yeah. but but then have the flexibility of having sort of left and right or you know high low outs or something. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, I guess as our, you know, speaking of Fender alikes, there you go. There's a little segue in there. Um, <laughs> our our main topic for this week, I wanted to talk all about Bass Center's bass collection range and really kind of the, the concept of Fender alternatives. Now, I think the concept of Fender alternatives is such a massive, all-encompassing conversation point that it's something we'll probably dive deeper into maybe another week because we've also had some great questions on the facebook group uh facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds forum there been some wonderful questions for this week so we're going to try and answer some of those so maybe we'll just talk about base center the the wonderful uh the wonderful london shop base center um and their their own range base collection um which is which is absolutely fantastic um the so the base collection range are essentially a um a, a series of uh fender style bases but they do a massive range they do the jive bass which is kind of their j bass and i love that that as a standard comes with like the uh the ashtray over the over the neck pickup but not over the bridge they do their power bass which has the opposite of well it, obviously the power bass is their precision bass and it just has the the ashtray on the bridge um and then they do their detroit bass which is which I, i'm very very into the detroit bass the detroit bass comes with all ashtrays vintage colors flat wound strings and is absolutely like it inspired by sort of james jameson um you know james jameson his p bass and that tone and that is what they're um you know that's what they're going for in fact i think the sunburst one it actually says james jameson tribute on the back i think i think that's right but they also do a purple haze which is their version of burgundy mist which is my favorite color um it's which a is joke very really <laughs> <laughs> but it's then, just funny you hadn't mentioned it before but it, it's it's good to know it's good there to you know. go there you go but my my the, you know one of the coolest things they do is their um their british masters um series british bass masters where they do signature models for basically all the bass players who really should have fender signature models but for some reason don't and i just think this is kind of why i wanted to talk about this i was like man you know bass collection are absolutely on the money right way more than fender are at at the moment well you know fender are going off to something different at the moment that you know they want all the kids playing them and that's fine a bass collection have gone hold on so you mean guy pratt the guy who's famous for playing a burgundy miss jazz bass who has literally played on every single popular record you can ever think of who has been the pink floyd bass player since like 1988 doesn't have a signature 
Burgundy Miss Jazz Bass with EMGs. Well, we'll we'll do that then. And so they did a Burgundy Mist matching headstock, EMG loaded, Guy Pratt, Betsy Bass for £595. And surprisingly, it sold out as soon as they launched it. Um, They're very cool. But there's also like, you know, another, you know, they do a Blockhead Space. In fact, they've done a couple of of sort of Blockhead Spaces because I think they did the Rhythm Stick as well. Yep. Um, I I mean, I just... I I love all the bass center stuff because it it is all that. Again, we're just I was just talking about like taking a Fender Fender alike and being able to do stuff to it. But it's like I think they're they're roughly what around five like five hundred yeah. pounds or something yeah. like that. You, like you can pick up the non artist models for like four hundred. Yeah, it's yeah. but like the yeah the the guy Pratt like a burgundy miss bass. I mean. I'm here for it all day, every day. And it's then, loaded. It's EMG loaded. I, I, I don't understand a lot of times. And and I mean, we were talking about this before the show. Like I like when I I came over and played um, shows a few years ago, and Bass Center uh, lent me a bass collection bases for for that. And it's the first time I'd really ever played them, and they were every bit as good as every bass I've played. It's just like it's such a there's such a sweet spot for everything like they're just they're just really good really good bases for incredible values yeah 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 that's it i i'm i'm kind of of the mind like of of all the fender likes with maybe the exception of marcus miller sires everything we're gonna we'd talk about on the fender light thing would be like here's a fender light brand making a making a similar thing for fifteen hundred pounds, for two thousand pounds, you know, yeah. for for that yeah. sort of money, and we'd be like, yeah, they're really, really good. But there's no one that we're going to be talking about other than these guys who are like, who are making something that's actually incredible, like incredible quality, and they are, you know, the price of squires. I'd buy one of these over a, a squire every day of the week. Yeah, I think there's so much character to them. Yeah, they um, they're really characterful, and and like, um, well, not unlike Marcus Miller and the the more recent kind of um, M seven models, they're super on the money just in terms of finishes and appointments as well. Like, it's just so nice to see Fender likes outside of you know your kind of black, your Olympic white, your sunburst, and your naturals. You know, yeah. you've got the matching headstock um, factor, which is super attractive. The blackened blocks has the um, it's a seventy style neck on the jive there. Um, oh yeah, that was the one that Freak Place played, wasn't it? A, a yeah, black yeah. One was with it? Maple yeah. and black blocks. Yeah, yeah. I think that was. I don't know if it was a signature model or if it was just the model he was playing. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but just super attractive. I can't wait to try one of these at some I, point. I, yeah, I really, really think I want. I, I kind of, I, I do want the, the. Obviously, I want the guy Pratt. It's yeah. got EMGs. It's Burgundy Mist. It's very, very cool. But I'm finding myself very drawn to the Frankenstein, um, the Entwhistle um, inspired model. Oh, the one that looks like a buzzard. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just bringing it back <laughs> yeah yeah well that that is actually why i've been i've been listening to a lot of ent whistle recently i think it's because i've got this ashdown lowrider mm. which is obviously their sort of non-reverse firebird fenderbird mm. much like what john ent whistle played and had signature models with from dean and a, i think a few other people did signature models of that style for him as well but i've been playing that a lot and it kind of 
if you sling high and play a guitar where a bass where the um where the strap button is over the isn't over the 12th fret so it it's it's further back so it pushes that bass out it forces you to kind of stand like john entwhistle um and then that makes you sort of play not you know not like him but sort of certainly feel like that when you're playing and i was like man this is cool i really like how <laughs> sort of standoffish this is um and sort of outward it makes you feel very outward when you're playing i was like yeah i want john entwhistle things hence why i've been trying to get myself a, a custom shop buzzard recently but the frankenstein is cool like a fiesta red precision bass with a with a maple jazz neck i'm into that that sounds that sounds right up my street and a super slim neck it boasts as well yeah yeah very that's cool. very very cool um yeah. i don't i think i'm gonna have to get one i i would oh god i might end up with the detroit bass though it comes with flats i know you can just put flats on any of these but I, that might actually be a selling point for me i mean the the fact that like they're so cheap it the strings that comes with like is a fairly decent percentage <laughs> of of the base like for like when you really look down looking at it it's like ooh that's that's what five ten percent of this ten percent <laughs> almost yeah. yeah it's crazy right well the guy Pratt's got I mean you know hundred and sixty five pound EMGs I <laughs> I mean the the guy Pratt if they make more of those that and the blockhead like I, I'm really interested in that basically any of these master series. Save for the Bill Wyman, I think it's probably not not necessarily my vibe. But the Bill I, Wyman's a, a real weird one for a guy who had such incredible taste in basses when he was younger. He uh, he's really failed with his I mean, signature model. I mean his. I mean, it, I have seen him play a bass very similar to that. I mean, I've seen him play this one, but you know, like it, it is definitely one of those like, okay, that's a uh, that's cool. I mean, it, it does kind of give you the sixties. We haven't really established body shapes yet. This might be from a slide guitar. Who knows? You know, kind of, yeah, kind of those vibes. But yeah, it's. I mean, if that, I just get when he used to play the Steinberger, like <laughs> yeah. the the graphite ones. Get one of those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think if I was going to spend five hundred ninety-five pounds on this bass center bill wyman with a massive awful red scratch plate that you would definitely never be able to sell for more than 200 pounds uh i think i'd probably just buy a steinberger i mean dentists love rolling stones <laughs> yes fine i damn i love the rolling stones i absolutely i mean you, you know uh, um uh, keith richards is a he says so himself he's a he listens to the player. podcast yeah <laughs> <laughs> He says so himself that he's a better bass player than he is a guitarist. Um, yeah, so there you go. Yeah, I mean, that's why all the important Rolling Stones records have him on bass. Mm, but you know. one more yeah. thing that Keith Richards and I have in common. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. Um, Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry. And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I don't know. What would you what would each of you buy from the base collection set uh you know, range? I'm pretty taken with the pretty taken with the Frankenstein. Um, like you said yourself, Joe, and yeah, definitely it would be the. Well, wait, sorry, are we in the? Are you talking British Bass Masters or overall? Well, you can you can choose anything from any anything the Bass Collection do. I'm pretty into the Purple Haze Detroit Bass. I'll be honest, and I've steered well clear of um any manner of kind of pink finish um or similar it's over mauve. the years it, it's oh, okay yeah. <laughs> thank you well um well they they actually um they actually called the frankenstein salmon pink i'll have you know so um good good luck with that i'll say um <laughs> but yeah it, i mean i just i can feel the vibe um you know yes it's a repro of of an old of an old thing um with the with the kind of jamerson tribute but i would be dying to try one of those mm, one yeah. of the detroits for me yes very I, cool they are incredibly cool i i think i think i think the same i think i'm gonna buy this purple haze detroit base i know i'm gonna have to take Snap. those ashtrays off um no. That would have been my first thought as well. No, I don't want to. Uh, you know, I recently fitted them onto my fifties. I've bought. Uh, I've got like a fifties, the Mexican fifties P base. I, I mm-hmm. had it. I bought it oh, in yeah. Fiesta Red. Actually, I didn't buy it. Uh, Emma, my girlfriend, bought it for me. It was one of the first things that you know she bought me after we were living together. And she, you know, she 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 went to like we were living in Chichester. She got the train to Brighton, bought this thing. She's she's very short, and she had to get this base on her back get it all the way back to chichester so it's got it's got some sentimental value for me but it's it's had maybe five or six different pickups fitted i had the finish stripped off and i had it redone in a two-tone nitro sunburst i've got the gold anodized plate on there i sanded the neck myself into a uh, into a soft v out of the sort of normal fixed deep sea that it has um so, so it's had lots of things uh, done to it but i recently put popped ashtrays on it it's currently got a seymour duncan quarter pounder in it and i took it to a band practice a few weeks ago to play and i was as amazing as it looked and as fun as it was to play like around the house as soon as i had to do like complicated proggy things having those ashtrays on made it nearly impossible to play and i had to just go and ask for a screwdriver from the front counter and <laughs> And yeah take take the middle one off at least 
I hear that for sure. I think anything outside of super traditional index finger, middle finger, finger style playing is is going to be tough with with those ashtrays on, isn't it? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the see, that's I, the shame. I think that's interesting because like I really like ashtrays uh, uh-huh. and and i had a i had ashtrays on one of my jazz bases it, so it works on a jazz bass but sorry carry on yeah yeah no i mean but i just i just yeah so i mean i, I guess that's it but i i've always i found it was much easier to do a lot of the progier semi-pointless techniques that i do a lot of times you know and like i found it much easier to slap and everything with the with the ashtrays because I was anchoring my hand on that and I could use it, you know, like use all the like three, four finger picking, like thumb and finger picking techniques, like right. flamenco style stuff and everything was like super easy um, with it. But yeah, I, you're right. The placement is probably a bit would would make a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did find it easier on a jazz bass just because the and this is very pedantic, but I really need to anchor my thumb when i play mm, with mm-hmm. my fingers and the jazz bass pick guard comes in slightly closer to yeah. your low e string and so and if you've got a thick pick guard which i, I do on my p bases or my jazz bases you can anchor on the end of that and it's fine but on the p bass it's further away so you can't really do it and in the case of the 57 well, the 50s one that i've made look like a 57 those gold anodized plates are really thin so you can't really anchor on them so it just leaves you with nowhere to go and I don't, I've never found, you know, thumb rests, they're too big. They just get in the way. They affect yeah. your follow through. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that's a it's terrible too much term, but where, yes. yeah, it's too much where the pick guard is too little in your case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I might just try it anyway, because this for £495, buy it now. A burgundy miss, flat wound loaded, matching headstock P base. Like imagine if Fender did this with this mm. spec. You know, imagine the price tag that would be on that. You know, it would be very, very different. I was imagining it at that price tag <laughs> and how that would actually break the internet or in my eyes yeah. at least. <laughs> Can you imagine? It would be awesome. Yeah, yeah it would do indeed. Um, right. I, I think we should answer some questions anyway yes. from, the, uh, from the Facebook group because we've got um, quite a few. Uh, should we pick one each? Um, JD, do you want to start us off? Sure. Um, yeah. Also, I was going to say I'd probably get the blockhead, assuming we're. Uh, oh, not did I? Oh, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no. Oh, no, I was just so trying to no. say. I was just say like one. It would be the. It would be the guy Pratt. Um, one because he's just ace, uh, and it's yeah. lovely. But uh, failing that would be the blockhead. Which uh, blockhead? Uh, the gold there's one. There's two, aren't there? Oh, yeah, the, the gold yeah. one. The gold so one the with jazz the jazz-based version. Yeah, right. jazz-based version of matching headstocks. Um, I think that one's dope. I was going to do a, a hilarious thing where I was like, do you mean base collection or base center? Because base center also <laughs> has the entire NS design range. And then I yes, was gonna they be like, do. I'd they be do. like, oh, it'd be the NXTA uh, radius base. Um, they, which, I had uh, put that on the list of things to discuss because they've got really involved in they NS. Have the complete collection of NS design instruments. It's not just the complete collection. Like they've got, I didn't realize, but because NS Design do a lot of like um, electric double basses, you know, the the things that don't have any bodies, you know, they're mm-hmm. they're just mm-hmm. the, like the whole thing. They one that's they right do, beside me right now. Oh yes, of course, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah. They do um, they do a range of support systems, including one that allows you to play one of those as a 
in in a normal sort of electric bass thing, like a strap system. Yeah, there's. Oh right, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, there's a there's there's a lot. Well, they also have the the Omni bass, which is like the shorter version. Oh, it's a shorter scale length version that is. I I'd have to double check, but I think that may be the one that like sort of sits on your body. That oh, you that play. is the one I'm looking yeah. at. Sorry, I thought it was oh, yeah. a strap system, but no, you're right. It is just that this Omni bass can be played. <laughs> which <laughs> the advertising stuff for it's so good like the people that are playing omnibases are exactly the people i expect to be playing omnibases it's wonderful there's like a a massive sort of like a big fat bearded lumberjack guy and then there's like a, a guy in sort of v for vendetta makeup like it's it's uh yeah there's some sort of cowboy oh i'm wonderful yeah i'm into this yeah, I mean those those are also great too. Just, I mean, if anything, like for those, I look at them as the the they basically have the upright radius, so you can do arco like bowing techniques. Yeah, um, with right. Them. But they also have like a, a an electric bass style scale length as opposed to like the forty plus inch scale length you get on like a three quarter upright and everything. So it's mm. it's sort of like that happy middle ground if you don't want to completely change everything yeah everything and kind of you know like still play electric you know like electric spacing and everything and yeah, yeah. play like that but there yeah. it's a great idea they do a fretted version which seems yeah. weird those frets must be super curved yeah oh yeah. they are i can see someone playing a fretted one yeah that's wow yeah that's uh that is it seems like you're taking out half the fun but uh but yeah, yeah, I mean, unless unless you're the rest of the band getting used to someone who trying to play Arco fretless who <laughs> hasn't played Arco or fretless, you know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. yeah, singers love a fretted a fretted note. If you're not <laughs> the catch there, yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's incredible. They do the whole range, and you know, like including the the super cool uh, basses that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. You know, it's starting at nine hundred and seven pounds for the WAV four. In in matte black, which it's is so good. I very good. I adore them so yeah. much. And they are really cool, really cool range of instruments. Anyway, yes, we we uh, we did cool. say before I tried to cut JD off. We did say we were going to take um, questions from the Facebook group. So yeah, so let's each pick a a question, I guess, to to answer. Um, uh, JD, did you want to go first? Yeah, I'd let, I I. I'll go first. And the question I, that I remember seeing that stuck out the most to me was really about uh, speaker configurations oh, and cabinets yes, yes. was mm-hmm. where um, was the, you know, the 18, 16, 215s. That's right. Yeah. So Brandon Ivy, and, yeah. Brandon Ivy had asked, you know, we, we, you know, well, he'd said quite simply 810, 610 or 215. And uh, Sam Brooksby had added to that saying or 212. So, yeah, where do we sit on the on cabinet choice for the tones that we play uh, yeah i JD, mean I, I i would say thinking of this purely as tone well actually i don't know so six tens i would say is sort of my my cool cabinet of choice because it's i i really like six ten cabs and that eight tens are great i don't often really need something that massive and like six, and, but I also like 
like the look and feel and sound of something a bit more than like uh, a 410. And usually with 410s, like if you're if you're going to get a 410, you usually end up getting an 8 ohm cabs. You can do two of them and go to 4 ohms where a lot of the 610 cabs will just be 4 ohm straight yeah. out of the gate. So you can so you can get you know, you're using more power of your head without it you're not necessarily if you're just using a single cabinet i really like 610s i've been a big fan of like i think 10 10s are my favorites what, um, what makes because that is kind of the industry standard like every mm. bass player seem to love a 10 what makes you drawn to the 10 with the 10 i like for me it's one i think there's a there's a misnomer in that you can actually get a lot more low end out of the tins because um when there's more of them they're doing less work and there's more surface area so you're getting more yeah. volume mm -hmm. which yeah. like surface area is is the measure of volume um i for my playing i really like the attack of tins and this this is getting really specific i think um but i just i've played i've played most things like i've had Again, I, we've talked about this before. I grew up in the, the land of PV, so I, I have had a 118 cab. Um, <laughs> and and I've had different different flavors of uh, single ten, uh, single 15, 215s. I've never had, I've never actually owned a 212, but I've played them a lot. Mm. Um, and there are some that I really like, but I, I still think like for me, like the, the articulation that I get from the tens are really it. And I would say it's either, it would either be a 410 or a 610 ideally, with those are harder to come by, but that would be, 610 is really if you're just looking at a single, a single cab kind of thing. And I mean, or I mean, eight tens are classic, but I think there's, there's just something about a 610 that I, that I think is really, really cool. And then I would probably say, 212, 810. 610s are definitely kind of underrated, I think, because, you know, I guess people think of the 810 as being the ultimate. Um, and and then the 410 as being the portable version of that. So it's kind of, it's in this odd place in the middle where not a lot of companies make 610s. Yeah. And um, yeah, sometimes they get, they get lost a little bit. Naomi, what do you think? So... <sighs> I'm trying to think what I've actually played through the most on balance. I know for a ton of gigs I've been supplied with 810s. They've kind of been the go-to for sort of heavier music or whatever. What do you own? What do I own? So yeah. currently, um, I actually answered incorrectly, I think, in episode one in saying I was cabless. I was doing a great disservice oh, to the cab yes. that I do, in fact, own. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's what happens when I get put on the spot. But um, I'm down at the moment to just an absolute bare bones, um, bare bones function gig setup, which is a it's a mark base. Is it a Traveler 210? Traveler 102P, I think. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, which I'm a Good big camps. fan of. Yeah. Uh, really like it for the sort of stuff that I've had to play with it. Um, I wouldn't necessarily consider it a worthy a worthy opponent of every style, maybe. Um, but what I did have before that, and I um, I sold on purely because I was moving country, was an EBS Classic Line Two Twelve, which I absolutely loved. It was oh, gorgeous. Oh, what a fantastic cabinet! I think I'm going to buy one again. To be honest with you, absolutely. Um, huge fan thought it sounded absolutely beautiful it for me the the draw for tw with uh the draw 
for 12 inch speakers with me is I feel like um, they're kind of the happy balance between definition and resonance. Right. Um, that's just me and that's just uh, whatever I happen to have played through that configuration. Um, I completely understand the the draw with four by tens that they're portable i think four by tens kind of get the they kind of get the best rep for punchiness um whereas i suppose personally i've found a really attractive kind of punch factor against resonance with um with the two by 12 configuration so that would be my vote and in fact in brandon ivy's question on the group um sam Brooksby uh, responded with a link to the barefaced Big Twin Two, which um, which would get my vote every time as well. It's it's a very good cab. The the barefaced Big Twin Two. It's yeah. an extremely good example of a two twelve. Yeah, yeah, um, it really is. Yeah, you you know what I th- I kind of feel the same about two twelves. I remember the you know like the first time I started hearing sort of two twelve. Um, Base cabs. Mm. Uh, I was. I, I kind of feel like they offered. They sounded like eight tens, but small and portable. They had yes. that same sort of balance, like exactly yeah. as you say. It was that balance of like clarity and you know, sort of, but not quite as. Uh, I kind of feel like everything becomes a little bit trebly with with two tens and and four tens. I, I know that's not. You know, that's probably not technically the case and it's probably just an imagination, but I feel like there's a lot of top with those cabs and not mm-hmm. like a lot of and not like a lot of stuff. And two twelves just seem to be so much more balanced in the same way that an eight ten was, but more compact. So I was always a big fan of always a big fan of those. But of course, twelves are an incredibly unpopular speaker size for bass. Mm-hmm. Um like I have a single twelve Ashdown cab here, an ABM one twelve at for home use, which is fantastic and you know it's, it's absolutely giggable. I I don't know if you know I'd miss a bit of that moving air, but then that said, I actually use for the bulk of my live stuff. I use a single fifteen. I got I can't, I can't remember if I've spoken about this before, but I had Ashdown make me two of their classic series, their CL range one fifteens. But they put the fifteen in a four ten cabinet, so that it has lots of room. And then I lined the cabinets with cotton wool, so that they're, which is how the old Ampeg caps were made. Mm -hmm. Um, So that there was, and and I started off, you know, touring both of those with the, you know, touring two cabs and and one head. But Mm -hmm. obviously, it's space becomes a premium and people you know the rest of the band starts sort of asking why are we touring to four ten sized <laughs> 15 speakers so i went down to one which is fine and i've never i don't think i've ever owned a 410 actually i think every time i've bought i've bought 115s actually because i played I played Orange for a while and i had their compact 15 i played Ampeg before that and i had their uh, SVT 15 and before that I played Ashdown and had their Mag 15 cab so yeah I've always only bought 15 so I'm actually not very well versed I guess in that sense to talk mm-hmm. about the others I've just always been put off especially by 410s I always thought it was weird that that was the standard but then you know I think it's weird that bass players want to sound like pianos these days rather than like 
bases but and and i think a 410 is the sort of cab that helps towards that that kind of a tone i guess yeah i think you raise a really good point there as well um which is oft overlooked which is that the other side of the cab is the actual wood cabinet itself like we talk so much about speaker size but really um the shape and the build and the material of the cab is is arguably doing half the work um you know and i i think i did hear your cab when i saw polymaths that would have been in in november gone yeah um i definitely remember it being an ashdown and it's sounding yeah i'm I'm one of both both with yourself and joe thorpe who we talked about oh that's right yeah it was definitely it was definitely mine because definitely joe thorpe couldn't bring a bass amp to that tour that i was doing with his band body hound so i think it was it was always all my rig yeah uh, for that one yeah yeah but a a mighty gig for bass between both uh both bodyhound and polymath oh yeah um, he's a wonderful bass player yeah absolutely this this bass guitar nerd enjoyed it very much um but in terms of in terms of when you were saying about the 15 inch speaker in a four by ten enclosure uh it reminded me of this super cool cab that i played once um supporting a band a japanese band i think i'll be red in the face now if i get this wrong i think the band was called the zzz's Um, oh it's a great name yeah and a super cool band and you know what they had they had in an eight by ten enclosure uh very clearly hand built it was awesome it was painted all sorts of zany colors they had a three by 15 in um (laughs) in an eight by ten enclosure there's a picture of me playing through it at that gig somewhere which if if i can find it i'll pop it in the group but um my god yeah three by 15 was was an experience for sure especially <laughs> especially in that size of enclosure and i bet, I bet you had to completely re-eq everything oh absolutely yeah and i had this like um i was playing in like a grunge band um who are still going uh called called bitch falcon um i just don't play with them anymore and it was a super gnarly kind of I think I might have been using the Aguilar Agro by then, but it was a super gnarly tone I was after. And I had to, I mean, yeah, I proper had to re-EQ everything. <laughs> in a, in a, it was a shock. It was, I mean, it was absolutely good experience, but a shock to the system in the sense of being so super different to the 4x10 I was used to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have no doubt. Yeah. Um, you know, we're running out of time and I do want to squeeze in one more question um, before, before we go. But... But before I do that, um, does does everyone have like a a favorite cab, like a cab that they specifically think? Not just sort of talking about. Oh, generally, you know, I like six tens, or you know, I like two fifteens. What is there like a cab that you think is absolutely the best cab you've ever played through, or the best cab that you think's available, or, you know, at all? Mm. I mean, I do, and it would be, uh, I mean, it's it's any of the Eden, like XST or XLT, um, differences, one point, one port uh, for the XST and two ports for the XLTs, like there's, they're so hefty, but the, the throatiness in them is, is really sort of, it's, they're the classic Eden cabs you see, if you see anyone playing Eden cabs, um, but a specific one is I don't have it anymore, but I used to have two of probably only about a dozen in the world um, of the Eden. They, they added two the two tens in a wedge configuration, right? And yeah, like it was, 
I only I only know two other two other players who had them, um, and we all loved them because it was just great. Because I had have my my regular rig and I run that as an extension, just basically have my own monitor um, of my <laughs> own cabs. But like th- that's my absolute favorite. But yeah, like any any of their um, any of the ten inches from Eden and uh, the XLT XST series would be would be my pick. I really need to spend more time checking out um, the Eden cabs. I th- I think I disregarded a lot of their cabs because they were always carpet, yeah, um, rather than Tolex. Not anymore. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Same. Same here. I definitely want to check out more of the Eden stuff. Um, I'm gonna potentially be be a little predictable, but I absolutely love the few times I've got to play them. It's been a small handful, maybe gigged them three, four times, tried them off stage twice, uh, but the Aguilar DB two by twelve. Are those the are those the vintage style ones? Yes, they are indeed. So they have like yeah. quite an over the top Tolex and stuff. Don't yes. They? Monster Green is my particular choice. They did like a white chocolate burgundy Tolex. Um they had another one as well. Does it well. have like, is it like, does it have a Vox style top that range? Like almost the Tolex covers part of the front of the speaker as well, or am I? No. Am oh, I, remembering that I think, I think you're thinking of the SL. The super oh, okay. Right. Yeah. They and, have like a, they have a corner off. Um, yes, that I does, see. that yes, does cover. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And was uh, it, so, was it, sorry, was it white no, no. and chocolate or was it white chocolate? Because it seems silly to call it white chocolate because it's just a way to describe white. Um, <laughs> so, I'm talking about a cream color. Oh, yeah. I was, just, I, was just like, I, was, I was like, did they I'm, call it white chocolate? I was like, couldn't you just call it cream or white? I, anyway, yeah. I wouldn't be a good co-host if I didn't just make up finishes and no, colors on the spot. And, <laughs> I love uh, it. Later, later, scream into the void as I fact check <laughs> after the fact. Um, sorry, yeah. So the, the DB 2x12 is an absolutely monster cab. Um, yeah. I mean, as... I've mentioned several times by now. I'd say I'm I'm generally quite a big fan of Aguilar. They're quite expensive, um, aren't they? Those cabs. Yeah, they're not cheap. I mean, even still, you're coming in around the thirteen, fourteen hundred pound mark, right. um, roughly. Um, and what I'm dying to try, uh, purely for how the SL one twelve was, which I used to own, um, and always wanted a second of, is the SL two twelve. So that's that same super light range. Um, that they did the 112 in initially. Um, so yeah, the thing weighed, I mean, it felt like it weighed about 500 grams in my hand. <laughs> so that in a 212 already is is um, is quite attractive, but um, I hope I get to hear how it sounds sometimes, uh, yeah. sometime rather. Um, yeah, very cool. Yeah. Very cool indeed. Um, yeah, I, my 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 choice for this is is super lame um, because it's it's got that sort of uh, um, importance from when uh, when you just started getting into something, and so something has uh, I can't think of the words for it, but you know when you listen to an old record and you know that that it might be an old pop punk record, and you know it's bad. But you still have a little bit of nostalgia. There we are. I right, mm. got there in the end. It's a bit of a nostalgic choice for me, but it's something I've never owned. I wish I owned, and I might have to go out and hunt down because they're discontinued now. But um, Hartkey uh, released their AK series, oh, yeah. which was yeah, they were vintage inspired, so they were trying to look a bit ampeggy. Um, whereas you know Hartkey are really known for like their 
uh, sort of aluminium fronted, aluminium coned uh, high drive series, high and of drive, course yeah. the, the VXs, which were in every cheap rehearsal studio, you know, <laughs> up and down <laughs> the country. Here, I don't know. I assume they were in the states oh, as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the AK series was like Tolex. They were cotton wool lined as standard, which is actually where I got my idea from with the with the Ashdown. Um, and they kind of had this Ampeggy feel. And when um, when Billy Sheehan stopped playing Ampeg and he moved to Hartkey, at first he played the AK series. He only stopped playing AK when they were discontinued, and he plays High Drive now, but I kind of get the feeling that he wishes he was playing the AKs still. But he had... Um, he he was playing through a, a couple of their 15s for his neck pickup and the 410s for his P pickup was how he was wiring things. But for me, the AK-115, I was just like, it was on wheels. They were really slim. They were almost as, as slim as guitar cabs. You know, they weren't very deep at all. You know, just white piping. They were just cool and simple and retro. They didn't cost any money, but for some reason they sounded fantastic. I mean, I think that like the, the, as we we're talking about cabinets making so much difference, and I was shuddering in horror with three fifteens being in a standard size cabinet. Just, <laughs> like, what's the air going to do? Um, but like thinking of, thinking about them, those those Harky AKs being so small is what is what made them sound like the 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 old records that we listened to is yeah. like that's that's what the cabinets were like no one did the maths on it yet that it was like oh these should actually be ported and or really deeps because like the air just has to go someplace but yeah 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 exactly you're completely right like from a kind of that mathematical perspective they weren't well designed they were just cool vintage cabs and i think i will forever have a soft spot for Hartkey as being one of those brands that I just I don't really know what they're trying to do like they've they've ignored every instinct to sort of modernize or change their range or you know anything like the Hartke logo looks like it should be on the front of a dishwasher you know it's, I mean I, I, just, I, I mean, love everything about it the, the thing about like even just looking at Larry Harkey is like he looks exactly like he probably did when he was in his 20s or yeah. something, you know, like it's like this is a highly stylized look. I'm staying with it, you know, yeah. <laughs> for the rest of my life. Same, like, yeah. And and you're just like, good on you. Like, just yeah, do your cool. thing. Yeah, he's great. No, no wonder Billy Sheehan's working with him. I mean, Billy uh, yeah. Sheehan could literally work with any bass brand yep. in the world. Yep. And it's like, you know, Hartkey aren't exactly cutting edge anymore, but Billy Sheehan's still sticking with them. And I kind of think that's, you know. Yeah, that's 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 they're cool. They're cool. I'm yeah, gonna have to go and buy some hockey stuff now. Yeah, and they're backed <laughs> up with good gear as well. Yeah. You know, all of this would be would be a different conversation if if there wasn't good gear to back it up. But I mean, you know, the reason they're popping up, the reason we've had good, you know, respective good experiences with them and are still rating them is is that very fundamentally yeah. the the gear is good it's the same with yamaha you know yamaha yeah. have not been the coolest marketers of exciting new instruments that have come out it's like oh yamaha released something and it's like amazing build quality it you know it, it plays wonderfully it, it it does everything it's supposed to do but it still doesn't have that shouting from the rooftops element that so many other brands around them do yeah um, yeah for sure i'm i'm really i know we're trying to get to another question i'm just really into I this i we're going to it's uh, fine. great just, i've been just stick on this then i'm really into this idea of you joe like every 
every tour just basically being like some sort of like Barbie where it's like, and now Joe's playing his harkies and you know, like just like each tour is like you playing completely different gear. Like you have, this is Joe's in whistle phase and this is Joe's <laughs> like Billy Sheehan, like harky Yamaha, like, like attitude base, like for one tour. <laughs> we, we've only, we've only just started, you know, band practicing again over the last month. So we've had like four or five practices, my band and our, our um our our saxophone player's relatively new he's been with us a while now like a year now but only because you know there's been lockdown for half a half a year half a year yeah and uh and of course when he was when he was with us before we were preparing for a tour so my gear was consistent but over the last four or five weeks you know i've turned up and every week (laughs) i turn up with a different bass and like i've changed something on my pedal board and he he commented on it last week he was like are you ever going to turn up and like sound the same? Because it's kind of important for everyone else that you have a consistency of tone. <laughs> and because I'm just like, this week, I played like I had the 57p <laughs> bass. The week before that, I was like, I've got this new Ashdown bass with two massive like eight pole music oh, pickups, God. which sounds nothing like anything else. And every week, I'll t- like every week, I do turn up with a different bass. And, um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's a, I'm sure it's a pain for everyone. I say ha, stick have, with it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah, you. we're we're loving it. You've you've got yeah. you've got yourself a safe space here. Also, right. have you asked him if he has considered starting his own saxophone podcast? Yeah. <laughs> That's and yeah, the many, many gear joys that it would bring him. Yes, I I've I've yeah, no like, doubt it would. Look, mate, just because you have like one metal tube you blow in doesn't mean that like. I mean, he, to be fair, he's pro- like he's probably got a saxophone podcast. He's talking about like I use this reed today, you know, and like you know, it's like I, no one even noticed, you know, and like all that kind of stuff. I, I tell you, he he does have a a hard time learning the polymath stuff because me and Tim tune in either either Fripp standard or yeah. D standard, but we talk in 440 we talk mm. in a standard so when we describe a, the note as in the fret oh, we're on dear. we I talk see where this in is a, going. oh and our poor sax players like no this isn't this isn't in f this yeah. isn't in an f at all this is in i don't know you know it's like because is he d- is he double transposing then yeah because he has to he, he obviously has to transpose has to, anyway doesn't yeah, he? yeah yeah that's right the sax has oh, to transpose dear. anyway and then he has to do it yeah, he has to do it again. And of course, me and Tim, Tim brings two guitars and I bring two basses, both in the different tunings. So he has to double transpose in a different way, depending on which guitar we're playing. So it's... Uh... Oh my God, you have just you, don't make it easy, you? Have you heard you? of MIDI? <laughs> well he's he's basically he gave uh, for christmas he gave me like a a music theory book and was like just please just please <laughs> if you if, do you need me to to show up as a translator like, I'm, <laughs> yeah exactly exactly it's, it it doesn't help when we're in c tuning in fifths and yeah. describing everything in a standard is definitely not helpful for anyone but uh, but my yes. god yeah it's like a go. secret code it's yeah. like, like make sure no russians can play your something yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like i'm being, I'm like being us style i'm being reminded of traumatic moments in my cover band back in dublin where we'd have like a nine piece booked for a gig and be getting our our productive but last minute rehearsals in hmm. and the singer would have had to transpose one of the requests by like 
three tones or something. Right. And I'll never forget. Of course, I forget the key, but we had to do we had to do Ain't No Mountain for one gig. It was like a fourth up or something like this. <laughs> right. And as something I had played like, you know, I knew that part absolutely inside out. But we had the singer singing in a different key. The whole band melodically was in a different key. And then I'll never forget the poor brass guys who had shown up just for this gig as well. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I was usually, you know, in my amateur way, like MDing, MDing the sort of band. And I was someone asked me for a note at one point in it. And I was like, everyone needs to stop playing until we figure this out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So my my heart goes out to your saxophonist. Yes. Yes. Poor fella. Poor fella. (laughs) Um, before we before we go, do you remember those heart key amps that became really popular for a brief time that were dead simple and they were like valve preamp, but they just had like there was like they were incredibly cheaply made. They had a piece of foam covering the valve on the front for some reason. Do you remember this? And like the piece of foam could fall out. They were, it was they did a five hundred and a thousand watt. I think yeah, it was. this rings LS, a bell. LS five hundred LS one thousand. I think that was it. Or was, LX? No, LX, LX, was that it? Uh, I know because of course the the head we all go on about is the is the HX five the HA five fifty yeah. and three fifty LH 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 five hundred and the LH there's the 1, phone 000. yep it's I've uh, played abs- these I I absolutely love these no gain no gain stage yeah. <laughs> I love that they were like, hey, what do you think this needs? Do you think this needs gain or just a volume and a three band? Oh, yeah, no, that's fine. We definitely don't need gain. But shove exactly. put a, put a limiter on there because that's <laughs> that's more important. Make sure we've got a treble boost and a limiter. Yeah, no what, what can get the chop here? I know, it's gain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I well, I mean, I just, I they sort of have the gain stage with the whole like active V passive inputs hmm. that the bass amp companies love to put on yeah. basses like bass amps but yo yeah i forgot a, i forgot about those they 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 were wonderful they were re- like if you wanted something to be as clean as possible it was absolutely these and the 500 was more than enough like the th- the 1000 was crazy the 1000 was loud af oh it yeah it was it was in a few backlines that i played and chose to use out of morbid curiosity instead of my tone hammer and i mean volume wise they punched they absolutely punched the problem with them for me was that i think they worked in some situations and absolutely not in others like they weren't versatile but they were they were they were incredibly bright and incredibly clean and like i saw uh like the um john niblock the bass player from vasa played one Mm -hmm. for a brief uh, period of time and the problem with that was he plays six string active basses and it mm-hmm. was, I was just like oh so today it is Vass's drummer and the click of the tweeter <laughs> yeah. for for the next 30 <laughs> minutes you know it's just it was overpowering string noise you know from a mm-hmm. sort of six string bass it just didn't mm-hmm. work at all but you know put pop a P bass through something like that and it would be wonderful yeah yeah absolutely. i mean i think i mean i think that's just a, a good shout for harky in general is that like i know we talked about it before but the the ha 3500 like i I used to run two of those into 810s if we wanted to <laughs> and did two separate 810 svts and i used, and 
in my that was my stereo rig um that's very cool yeah it was unneeded uh, but it was very heavy um, but like those i mean as far as like solid amps you could still get for next to nothing and like yeah. i had the the black and blue face ones which i think like oh, i yeah. just had and they, cool. they had the the 10 band graphic equalizer with like the the like led lights in the each of the bands that yeah you know very cool. it was the late mid late 90s it looked rad you know and it also I, had it had a contour on it a low pass and a high pass yeah, contour and then you the had best. the two preamps the yeah. the solid and the valve front end and a built-in compressor as well yeah the 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 two very valve good. preamps were great because i it would be like and they were both always on it was just how much you mm. you brought in so it wasn't like you had those and you blended them it was just like they're equal throughout. Oh, really? I, yeah. I did used to blend them because I used to turn off. There was a you could turn off that ten band, and then I just used to blend oh, yeah. the the tube and the solid state. Solid state for treble essentially, and tube for everything else. Yeah, I I mean I see I I did my solid state for a little bit of oomph in the lows, but yeah. um yeah, like it was so I like had the highs, you know, the the two. I mean they they blend, but it's basically like volume volume. You know, mm. so it's like volume volume controls where there's yeah. it's not like you set those and then there's like a and guide between these. It's the volume of the preamps. Yeah, are, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I think that's one of the amps. Like I I have like my nostalgic affinity for that. I'd be like, I really like. I I don't know how and when I would really use it, but like if I, but if I wanted to have an amp or something in a practice space and. You know, I didn't want to take one of my like Edens or something like that. I'd be like, yeah, I'm just just leave it there. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, like that's my yeah. my amp. Just I leave in, in a rough part of town. Incredibly of affordable and incredibly good. They're still made. Yeah. Yeah. They're still in production. Yeah. That's unbelievable. I ca there can't be a head that's in, is still in production that's been in production as long as this. And cheap. Too. yeah and cheap too i mean well yeah i mean you can buy a new one for 465 pounds i'm looking at one of the silver face ones on ebay that someone's popped in a tolex cabinet with a little heart key logo that might have been how they did it maybe for a bit or maybe the heart key surround is there it is 200 pounds buy it now oh no he's reduced it it's 150 pounds am i just gonna buy this all right if i can find an ak if i can find an ak cab i'm gonna purchase this We'll see. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a look, which, uh, Dear which means. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's missing one of its banded EQs. No, I don't want that. No. What configuration of AK? I meant to ask you, Joe. It doesn't really matter the 410 or the 15, mm, because I'm okay. just so nostalgic for them. It would be the 15 if I could. But, yeah. Um, but but at, you're at, into both. At this at this point, I just want to own some old Harky gear. Yeah. You know. But yeah, so lovely, so wonderful. Anyway, um, because I'm going to go on a Harky hunt, you guys have got me all excited for Harky gear. Um, we're going to have to draw this podcast to a close. Um, so you can, of course, dear listener, join us on all the social media platforms with at Guitar Nerds and check us out on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Guitar Nerds. And we'll be back the week after next with more of this bass guitar nerdery. Farewell. Farewell. <laughs>